You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We're in Psalm 84 this morning. And it's on my heart to share this with you because there's a special section in Psalm 84 that just stood out so strongly to me. And this is the first time I've ever given this study. And so um, if it falls flat, I can run out of here and it won't matter, right? But I think that the Lord has something for us here. I decided to um, read through the Psalms in, in this month, and that's where you take the day of the month and start with that Psalm, and then you add 30 to it, read that Psalm, and then you add 30 to it and read that Psalm. And by the whole month of February, you can get through the book of Psalms generally. Um, So today was February 11th, and so I read Psalm 11, then Psalm 41, because I added 30 to it, and then Psalm 71, and then Psalm 101, and then Psalm 131. And it's a great way to read through Psalms in a month, a great devotional, and get your highlighter out and highlight different things. Um, I have to say, in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 11, um, there's a verse that I had to highlight, and it said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the foundations in the context has to do with, with justice in the land, things that are um, fair, things that are uh, morally right, that makes any society solid. Those foundations are being destroyed. Uh, we can... We can see it in our world today, in our society. But verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the answer is in verse 1, In the Lord I put my trust. Because God is in control of who's in control. I believe that. Although I don't understand it, I believe that. And you've heard it said that Politics is a compound word. Poly meaning many, ticks meaning bloodsuckers. And so don't put your trust in politics. Put your trust in the Lord. Even if the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? I know what the righteous can do. You get our eyes off of the chaos and get it onto the Lord who is stronger than the chaos. Amen? That's not in my notes, sorry. Um, I'll try to stick to my notes, okay? Psalm 84 is a great psalm, and it's a psalm that actually could fit in that collection of psalms called Psalms of Ascent. That's a, that group from, I believe it's um, uh, Psalm 120 to 134. Uh, those are psalms that were repeated by the Israelites, especially the men, as they went from where they lived up to Jerusalem, 
uh, three times a year. They were required to come before the Lord in Jerusalem, and they would sing these psalms of ascent the closer they got to Jerusalem. But Psalm 84 just has that same feel that this is something that should be uh, taken into that whole mindset because it talks about having a heart set on pilgrimage because it was a pilgrimage from their town over to Jerusalem in Mount Zion before the Lord. And three times a year, they took this pilgrimage from wherever they lived. And this psalm is, is such a joy to, to look at, but our special section is going to be verses 5 through 7. So what I want to do here is I want to read through Psalm 84 in its entirety to catch the context. And then we're going to especially zero in, take the microscope and click it and look at verses 5 through 7 in detail. And I think there's something for all of us in this section. It's on my heart. So follow along as we read this here. And I want you to understand, although they were going to the physical Zion, the physical Jerusalem, we as believers are on a pilgrimage as well because this world is not our home. We are heading to the heavenly Zion and we are on pilgrimage as well. And that pilgrimage should affect how we live, how we think, how we process our world. And so let's read this, keep the context as it is to the Israelites, but then let's also think about it as the Lord is calling us to understand our true pilgrimage and the trials that we can go through while we're waiting to meet Jesus face to face. Follow along with me, Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Father God, we're asking for your special uh, blessing upon this text. And Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that 
our ears would be open to hear your voice and our hearts would be open to receive it with the intent to obey. And so, Lord, we set this time before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's take a look at verse 5 because that's where we're starting. And I'm calling this verse 5 the foundation for strength, the Lord himself. Not what the Lord has to give, but the Lord himself. The person of the Lord is your strength. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. This pilgrimage that the Hebrew men and sometimes their families were required to make to go to Jerusalem, to Mount Sion, from wherever they were. And by the way, in the time of Jesus, they came from all over the Mediterranean region three times a year. And so uh, that, that journey was fraught with many perils. It was an expensive journey. It was an inconvenient journey. It was a long journey, and it was often a dangerous journey because there were many pirates along the roads that looked to take advantage of the pilgrims as they made their way to and from Jerusalem on one of those three feasts. So three times a year, they would get together because that's what hearts set on evil want to do is to um, think you know, they're opportunists, that they want to take advantage of people and their weakness and um, not being uh, aware of their surroundings, so, so to speak. But you know, for the Israelites, it was an exciting journey because gathering all those people together in Jerusalem, everybody is there for the same reason and, and it's like a, a, a company that you just had excitement and fellowship with because you're all the people of God coming before the Lord. And that excitement really helped you focus on why you're taking this journey. It was a blessing at the end, the fellowship at the end. It just drove them. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Verse 5 is an encouragement to those pilgrims that strength for their journey, strength physically, strength emotionally, strength financially, that strength was to be based in the Lord and not in themselves or in their resources. And sometimes, quite frankly, as we live out our pilgrimage in this life, waiting for the Lord to call us home to be with him. We can get so caught up in our resources. How can I handle this? Where's that coming from? I've got these bills that are due and I don't have any resources. Or the car that um, I was planning on having for five years just got wrecked and, and now it's worthless. And, and what am I going to do? How am I, I mean, and it can just consume your thought life. Been there, done that. But here's the thing. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Okay, God, you knew this was going to happen. And so I trust you to take care of it, but you don't have to tell me the details. Just tell me that you know, and you're going to take care of it. I need that hope. I need that trust. And in the meantime, I need a bus ticket, you know, because I can't get around, you know. Well, how about a snow shovel? I could use that right now, you know. 
Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. The word blessed means a state of settled happiness within, based upon the reality of the sure promises of God and not necessarily the present circumstances. Let me repeat that. The word blessed or blessed, a state of settled happiness within, based upon the reality of the sure promises of God and not necessarily the present circumstances. I can consider myself blessed, although my current circumstances look pretty meek. Blessed is the man. By the way, the word man here is the Hebrew word Adam, and it simply means man or woman. It's not ish. Ish is specifically male, because isha is female, out of man. But this is Adam, which is man and woman. So blessed is the man or woman whose strength is in you. And then we see here, fixed on the process, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now some of you might have a different translation of this, because actually... Uh, the second phrase is best seen in the New American Standard or the English Standard, and that says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion? Some of you are old enough to remember the old Christian rock group Petra, and they had a great song called The Road to Zion. And um, man, when I read this, I went, oh, Oh, yeah. And so, of course, I went on YouTube and found that song, and, and it was such a great song. And so if you want to, don't do it now. I'm teaching, okay? But, um, <laughs> but The Road to Zion by Petra, the old group Petra. It's such a great song. Sorry. But they took the literal translation, The Road to Zion is in your heart. And what that means is, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be where he is. And I want my life to reflect that passion. See, going to heaven isn't the real goal. Being with Jesus is the real goal. And I think I mentioned this in an earlier talk when I was here. But you know, what, what bride and groom are at the altar and all the bride wants is the groom's house. She doesn't care about the groom. She just wants the house. That's kind of the same thing. I just want to get to heaven. No. <laughs> you know, you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's the one you want to be with. Wherever he is, that's where I want to be. Whose heart is set on pilgrim, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. So what's a pilgrim? I mean, we th in our country, we think of the pilgrim, you know, Thanksgiving and, and the hats and, and the little white collars and all. A pilgrim is defined as one who journeys in foreign lands, one who travels to a shrine or holy place as a devotee. Therefore, a pilgrimage is a journey to a specific place which has a religious benefit. Technical definition. But we're on pilgrimage as Christians. This world is not our goal. This world is not our home. We're going to be with Jesus. This, this life is called as short as a vapor. When it's cold out and you see your breath, 
That's how long your life is in relation to all of life. We are here as long as the dash between the year of your birth and the year of your death. That's your spot. And God has called you to have your heart set on pilgrimage to be with him, but to make a difference during your dash. And I didn't know my dash was going to be this long. A A lot of my friends, their dash wasn't as long as mine. And so while I'm here in this 100-yard dash, God's called me to make a difference with who I am, uh, with the giftings he's given, and just, um, you know, sow it and see what happens. My life, my days are in his hand. Your days are in his hand. We're on pilgrimage. We as believers in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, are are waiting for the return of our Lord for us as the church. And so our entire life is counted as a pilgrimage. Hebrews chapter chapter 12, verses 22 to 24 say this, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That's amazing. I mean, right now, we can't see angels, can we? As a rule. Because, I mean, if we can see angels, if, if all of a sudden our eyes were tuned in by the Lord to see the angels that are moving back and forth doing God's will, we'd never get anything done. Because we would just, it would be like a hologram. <laughs> you just go... because it would be so amazing that's going on right this second right this second in this room back and forth innumerable company of angels we are going to see with that heavenly transformation that occurs when we go to be with Jesus and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to the God, talk about the gathering, you know, on a pilgrimage. To the God, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made complete, perfect, perfected, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And in that uh, verse here, it, he's encouraging the Hebrew. Uh, believers to say, listen, don't go back to the old. Uh, There's something waiting for us, a greater Zion than Jerusalem in the flesh. We're on a pilgrimage to the heavenly Zion, and this world is not our homeland. This particular verse, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, was given to my wife and I by the Holy Spirit when we turned our church over back in 2010 down in Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, what were we going to do? How was it all going to work? But all we knew is our hearts are set on pilgrimage and we are going to do what God sets before us with all of our heart. And we're we're not going to try to figure it out. We're going to let him put the pieces on the stage and let it play out. 
And, and it created a sense of adventure. Also, when people would ask us, though, what are you going to do? We're going, well, you know, uh, we don't know. And actually, we, became, we ended up becoming missionaries. And being a missionary, you live in the world of I don't know. You know, how's that going to work? I don't know. Where are you going to live? I'm not sure. Um, so how long are you going to be there? I don't know. Well, don't you know anything? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I know I'm, I know I'm in the land of I don't know. That's, that's what I know. But I know who knows. And he's not talking right now. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got it safe with him. Is your heart set on pilgrimage to the heavenly Zion this morning? Or is it caught up in trying to make this world your home? I'm not saying you shouldn't plan or do reasonable things or have common sense in this life. But overall, foundationally even, your heart needs to be set on pilgrimage and you need to lay up treasure in heaven. You're so worried about your investments and what it's going to look like and how much and, and you're so uh, looking at, staring at the stock market and, and just making that your focus. What about treasure in heaven? Jesus commands that as his disciples were, were to lay up treasure in heaven. What's that mean? That means that we take who we are in him and we, and we obey the, the, uh, the counsels of the word of God and we think about others more than ourselves. How can I help in this situation? How can I minister? How can I encourage? How can I pray with them or pray for them? That's part of laying up treasure in heaven. It's not a, it's not a thing like my good works earn me salvation. No, that's settled at the cross. But now God has called me to let, uh, let there be an outflow of what he's put in my heart. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That sounds like actually the newspaper or, or you know, that's what people... There, there's, no, there's no penalty. It's like if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? Stores, I mean, they go and just rip off everything and walk out without impunity. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, Lord, I want to have my heart set on pilgrimage. If you're convicting me that I've tried to make this world more of my home than being with Jesus himself, I need to get my perspective back. Um, and mo uh, many of you know what glaucoma is because you've had eye surgery, 
And after that eye surgery, all of a sudden, you just see clearly and you, can't, you just can't believe. You got so used to the way it was. But with that cataract removed, all of a sudden, you see colors more brightly. You, see, you can see more clearly down the road. It changes your perspective. And sometimes, quite frankly, we can develop spiritual cataracts and we lose our perspective. Our hearts need to be set on pilgrimage. That's God's heart for us. And the Holy Spirit wants to adjust that. He wants to do a little surgery on our spiritual eyes. Lord, help me to see the way you see it. Help me to have a heart that is like your heart, like one of the choruses we talked about. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. So that's, that's verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And now we come to verse 6, and I've titled this, The Fountain Available in the Valley of Baca. Now this, this made sense to them. Baca. What's that? It sounds like, bah, you know, Baca. It's a Hebrew word. But most Bible commentators believe the Hebrew word for Baha means weeping. Through the valley of weeping. Now that makes more sense. As they pass through the valley of Baha, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. The valley of Baha was a lowly place of weeping through which the pilgrims must travel. Even though thrice annually they knew this valley was going to be there along the road to Zion, they also knew that it wasn't their final destination. The valley of weeping is not the final destination. It's in the journey. I want you to look closely at verse 6, and if you have a highlighter or a pen, I want you to circle this and, or highlight it. It says, as they passed through. They're not stopping there as they pass through the valley of weeping. So many times we can see that the difficulties we encounter on the way to Zion, we, we can think that we're just stuck. It's hopeless. And you sit down as you're weeping and you don't have much hope. But you know, during the pilgrimage, time and time again, you can see how God has brought you through it. You see, the Lord wants to enter into the valley of weeping with you. He's not at the end saying, would you just get over it and come on? 
That might be your parents, but that's not the heart of the Lord. He comes to where you are in your weeping and says, I understand because he lived flesh and blood. Jesus, our good shepherd, understands the valley of weeping. But he doesn't want to leave you there because he wants you to pass through it. He doesn't want to ignore it, but he wants you to pass through it. David pens something similar to this in Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod isn't to beat the sheep, by the way. That's not comfortable. Okay, that's, that's not the context. The rod is to beat off the wolves or the predators that come against the sheep. So if he's got the instruments of a rod to protect me, that's a comfort while I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. So what's the staff? The staff with that shepherd's crook on top is if you get stuck in a ravine, he can reach down and hook you under the legs and lift you up out of it, pulling you out of danger. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. But if you're just looking at the shadow of death and how hopeless it is, you're missing your shepherd and his instruments of comfort. Amen? Been there, done that. I've lost perspective. I've had lots of eye surgeries, spiritually, by the way, where cataracts have been having to be removed um, on many occasions. You'll pass through. As they pass through the valley of Baca or valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The second thing to highlight or to circle is the word they. Who makes it a spring? Going through the valley of weeping. The pilgrims. What? I thought they're weep I thought it's a valley of weeping. How do they make it a spring? Is it all with their tears? You know, there's so many tears it becomes water. No. I think it speaks of a of a better hope in the midst of the weeping. They make it a spring. Because remember the first line, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And, and here's a line I want you to remember. God is working in the midst of the weeping. That's where the hope comes. It's not in circumstances ironing out or the drama settling down. God is working in the midst of the weeping. And that's a statement of faith. Because feeling-wise, it may not be there. But the reality, God is working in the midst of weeping. For the pilgrim, there's a fountain of the water of life through the strength and hope that's in God. All through Psalms, you hear David writing about tears. His most trying times were the times where he was being chased by King Saul, where there was a contract on David's life. 
and, and it, it ran over 10 years. All of his 20s were ruined by King Saul, but God was using it to prepare King David to be king because he wasn't king yet, although he was anointed. And what's fascinating is when you look at finally when King Saul dies, you don't see David rushing to take the whole kingdom. He goes and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? During his 20s, all of those trials and the unfairness and the injustice of it all and the fear of it all purged out ambition. And so he was able to go to the Lord when the opportunity came up and say, God, what do you want me to do? He sought the Lord through the ephod and he was directed to go down to Hebron and just be king over his tribe of Judah for seven and a half years. Sometimes we forget that God is working in the midst of weeping. Take a look at all the times David talked about his tears or his weeping or his groaning. Psalm 6, verse 6, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with tears. Psalm 39, 12, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Psalm 42, verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Psalm 56, verse 8, You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalm 116, verses 7 through 8, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from uh, falling. And Psalm 126, verses 5 through 6, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who goes forth, he, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That last verse Pastor Chuck gave to me when we were going through such a trying time while I was pastoring in Phoenix. Now, I just, when I read that verse, I just think of him sitting behind his desk talking to me and saying, you know, because I broke down. I was, I was like uh, broken with a situation that was happening. And then the second part of the verse says, uh, the rain covers it with pools. Now, the rain is something from the outside. And, and I think these have, are, are testifying of special blessings that God brings in during that time going through the valley of weeping. Just little indications, little fingerprints that he's there and he knows, and little blessings. By the way, blessings are never earned. They are specifically from the grace of God and his compassion to bring a blessing into your life. A circumstance that all of a sudden, kaboom, is there. I mean, um, just recently, 
I mean, you know, this is tax time, and, and for the past few years, I had, I had to pay taxes because I didn't pay enough. And so I'm thinking, okay, I gave all my information to my tax lady, and I'm going, oh, great, God be merciful. I mean, my, my savings account is, is very low, and if it's going to be how it was last year, last few years, I'm not sure how it's going to happen. And then just last night, uh, she sent me the email, and I'm, I'm getting like a thousand bucks back. I'm going, oh yes, life is good, you know. All of a sudden, it's just blessing. Um, those are seasons. Um, right now, some of you are saying, I haven't seen a blessing in a long time. And I just want to tell you that I think you've got spiritual cataracts because the fact that you're even in the kingdom of God is a blessing because none of us deserve to be there. None of us deserve to have Jesus die for our sins and be completely forgiven. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve to be adopted into the family of God. And that's a blessing. I mean, sometimes we have to like, Lord, I need perspective again. I've lost it in the midst of all that's going on. Please heal my life. The rain covers it with pools, those, those special occasional blessings that provide nourishment and uh, quench your thirst in the valley of weeping. That's verse 6. And the third section and final section is verse 7, the finish line. The finish line of Zion. Verse 7 says, They go from strength to strength. In my pilgrimage, in their pilgrimage, let's take it in the context, they go from strength to strength. And that talks about layers of strength. And it also implies that there are seasons where you don't feel so strong. Uh, you, you made it through the valley of weeping, but it's a long journey. It's a dangerous journey. It's an expensive journey. But you know, God in his ability takes you from strength to strength layer by layer, step by step, ever-growing, ever-increasing, ever-learning about the majesty and might of the one who actually distributes that strength. I've walked in the Lord. My wife and I have walked in the Lord now almost 55 years. And we're still walking on this pilgrimage from strength to strength. I can't just rely upon the good old days. You know, we got saved in the whole Jesus Revolution time. I, I pastored two of those Christian houses that you saw in the movie, um, you know, during the 70s. Um, and it was an amazing time. So many people came to the Lord. But you know what? That's in heaven. Um, that's all locked away. How about right now? What's going on right now? I want to go from strength to strength still. I want to keep going because there's new experiences in Jesus God wants me to, to have. And he wants to use me in ways I hadn't even thought of. But I've got to not get locked up in the good old days because right now are the good old days. You think, well, no, you just don't understand how hard it is. Well, God is in the midst of the weeping. He's working in the midst of the weeping right now. 
in our pilgrimage to the heavenly Zion, we go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, being conformed in our character to be more like Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that is because of 2 Corinthians 3.18. There it says, so all of us, this is in the New Living, a translation, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. God wants to change your character from the inside out, not just control your behavior. It starts on the inside. Do you know that all the fruit of the Holy Spirit has to do with character development? Love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's all issues on the inside by the, by the Holy Spirit bearing that fruit, which are all expressions of his love. The gifts of the Spirit have to do with powerful service, has to do with the, with the serving on the outside, with, with effectiveness and fruitfulness. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit has to do with that inward character change. And man, when I first came to the Lord, God was working on me on the inside first and changing me, and, and my desires started changing. My, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to find out about Jesus. My friends are going, stop it. You're getting weird. I'm going, I, I can't help it. I mean, I, I really want to know this. And eventually I had to quit the rock band because all of a sudden your eyes are open to, to all the ugly underbelly of all that world. And, and, you're, and you leave it feeling dirty. Because I continued playing gigs and things like that in the rock band during the late 60s. And uh, after a while, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. It's not that God takes away the fun. He opens your eyes to what's really going on and the, and the life destruction that's a part of that world. You might be in between a season of strength right now. We're talking about going from strength to strength. You might be in the middle of that in the valley of weeping. So where's the strength? Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Maybe you're looking for your strength from all the outside. Maybe you're looking for strength from your spouse. But I just want to tell you that the strength God wants to give you is him. It starts with him. Stop trying to get it from other people first because they'll fail you. They'll ignore you because they're focused on themselves. <laughs> I mean, you know, really. <laughs> because really, nobody thinks about us more than us. Your spouse doesn't think about you as much as you think about you. And so, yeah, but if I don't think about me, my needs aren't going to be met. Stop it. The Psalms 139 says, he thinks about us more times than there are grains of sand in the sea. Why does God tell us that? How is it possible that God thinks about me more than I think about myself? God wants me to know that so I can stop thinking so much about myself and be focused on others. I need to get my strength from him, 
not from other people, not from your pastor, not from, you know, your, your relatives, or not from your spouse, from him. Because it takes the pressure. When, when God becomes your strength and he fills your cup, it takes the pressure off of your spouse. It takes the pressure off of your kids. You stop trying to live vicariously through them because you're settled in him. Okay. The last part of verse 7 each one appears before God in Zion. You will make it to the end. You will make it. Well done, good and faithful servant, Jesus says to those who make it. You have been faithful in little things. Be thou ruler over many things with me. Enter into the joy of of your Lord. I am so blessed you're here. I am so happy you are here. My heart is filled with joy because you stand here with me. That's the heart of Jesus who's waiting for us. Each one appears before God in Zion. For the Hebrews, it was all coming before the temple and the magnificence of the temple and and Solomon's temple and being there with God and God's blessing and the rejoicing of it all. But our pilgrimage takes us to the heavenly Zion where he is, being with Jesus our King, our God, our Savior, our Lord. Listen to the words of Jesus here as I close. John 14, verses 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. This wording here is a wording that reminds us of how things, what the custom was at the time in a wedding situation, where the groom would go and prepare the, the place when he received his bride. Later, he would take his bride to the place. And back in, in those days, uh, they would, um, in, in in, in the um, dad's house, there were uh, preparations for a place on top. And so the, the son would uh, get married and bring his bride to the place in the father's house on top. And so it was a, another uh, extension, you might say, onto the house that was, that was there. For those of you that don't want to live in your father's house physically, I understand that. I, I get that totally. But here, uh, it's, it's a, a picture using the whole custom of the wedding back in Jesus' time to communicate personal relationship and hope and expectation. Because the church is called the bride of Christ. And Jesus is right now preparing a place for us. 
and he doesn't want to just ignore us because he's looking forward to the wedding supper, marriage supper of the Lamb. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And that's where the disciples choked on it a bit and said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What you're talking about, Willis? You know? um, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And finally, last scripture, Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24. I want to read this again. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. If you're in the valley of weeping right now, the valley of Baca, Jesus meets you there and he wants to have you go through it. He is our good shepherd, the chief shepherd. And if in talking about the whole concept of spiritual cataracts, if you can have a discernment that I think I've lost perspective, then all you gotta do is go to Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals, and say, Lord, would you renew my perspective? That's what God wants to do this morning, I believe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this section of your word. We're asking in Jesus' name that you would search our hearts. Lord, when you search our hearts, it's not to condemn us. It's not to beat us up. It's not to throw shade on us. When you show light, your light upon our hearts, it's to cleanse us to heal us, to give us uh, your perspective. And so this morning, Lord, we pray that you would do that. Meet us in the valley of weeping because you're working in the midst of our weeping. We thank you, Lord, for the hope of your word and for the power of the Holy Spirit in our pilgrimage. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website 
at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.